Hey Amarillo, my name is Jason Boyette, and you're listening to the very first episode of Hey Amarillo. This is an interview podcast that features some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. The presenting sponsor of this episode is Estacar Companies. The Estacar team brings innovative management experience to growth-oriented businesses. You can find out more about Estacar online at estacar.com, E-S-T-A-C-A-R.com. Estacar, force for your vision. So today's guest, the very first guest of this show, is Ginger Nelson. Ginger is Amarillo's mayor. Uh, She was elected mayor by an overwhelming majority in May of this year. She won something like 80% of the votes and led a landslide election that resulted in a total overhaul of Amarillo City Council. Ginger is an attorney. Uh, she's an entrepreneur. She's a working mom. But, but most of all, she's someone who is incredibly passionate about Amarillo, Texas. And I'm really excited to hear from her. I'm excited to bring you her story. Ginger, welcome to Hey Amarillo. Thank you, Jason. It's an honor to be with you today. Um, I'd like to talk uh, about the city and, and your plans for the city. But I, I want to start by just uh, letting you introduce yourself a little bit. Can you tell me sort of how you ended up in Amarillo and and what brought you to this point? Um, Well, I was blessed to grow up in Spearman, Texas, and there um, my parents still live there. And uh, I met my husband there. I don't actually remember meeting him because we've always known each other. Um, And there are funny stories about that. But I basically grew up in his family and he grew up in my family. And so we're very proud of our Spearman heritage. We went to Texas Tech together. And we always knew that we wanted to um, live close to family because family is such a priority for us. So with our parents still living in Spearman, Amarillo was a great opportunity for us to actually live in a place that we already felt like was home. Because growing up in small town Panhandle, Amarillo is the entire, it's the capital of the Panhandle. And so even though Spearman was our hometown, Amarillo was our home city. It's where we got our news. Um, It's where we came for a special birthday party or um, to eat out or celebrate a a special event. So it's sort of our shining city on a hill of sorts. Um, So even though we've only lived here 22, 23 years, um, we've always loved Amarillo, um, just having grown up in the panhandle. And before you uh, got into politics, you were a business owner. You lived here, raised a family here. Tell me about, you know, what you've done over the past 20 years. Yeah, that's, I wear lots of hats. Um, I I have a Spanish degree from Texas Tech and also an advertising degree. And then went on and got my law degree and I'm board certified in estate planning and probate. So for over 20 years, I worked as an attorney Um, practiced law with my husband, and he did business and real estate transactions, and I did estate planning and probate. Um, And I loved doing that because it helped families, oftentimes widows and widowers, um, in a time when their life was upside down, and they were um, grieving and facing a lot of change. So I liked the heart and the people side of that type of practice. Um, along the way, because it was just Kevin and I, and we didn't have other partners, we were able to kind of go entrepreneurial, which matched our roots from our parents' small town um, entrepreneurial endeavors. And um, we had the opportunity to purchase a downtown office building, and we still own that. It's the Amarillo building. It's Amarillo's first high rise. It was built in 1925, so it's over 90 years old. 
we lovingly refer to it as Amarillo's first catalyst project because after it was built, then within five years, five more high rises were built downtown. So the skyline of Amarillo would look very different if the Amarillo building had never been built. And then um, after a few years of owning and managing that building, uh, we also threw our hat in the ring to become hoteliers. So we own a hotel at I-40 in Sansi called My Place Hotels. And then we have an, a second location in Lubbock. And uh, we'll be looking to build some more of those across the state of Texas. So we wear lots of hats and we have three kids and love following them around and investing in their lives too. So it's never a dull moment on the schedule at the Nelson household. Tell me about owning a hotel in Amarillo, because that's that's one of the things that I, I think residents probably don't fully comprehend. I mean, we see hotels all over I-40. They're always full. Um, I don't know that we always have a sense that there are constantly people who come to Amarillo on the way to somewhere else and spend the night. I mean, what's it like owning one of those hotels that people stop in? Our hotel is about has been open almost 18 months, our Amarillo Hotel. And in the first 40 days that it was open, you know, we're just getting started, just doing our marketing. But in the first 40 days, we had guests in our hotel from 40 states. Wow. And so that's shocking to think that Amarillo touches that much of the nation. You know, over 8 million people drive through I-40 every year. Over 60,000 semi-trucks drive through our town on I-40 every day. Um, it's a beast and a gift to us as a community to have I-40 um, pushing that kind of traffic and flow through our community. It's our job to do a better job of presenting ourselves as a tourist destination, promoting the local culture and re restaurants and um, activities that we have, Powder Canyon and Cadillac Ranch and the fabulous museums that we have, Panhandle Plains Historic Museum and, um, you know, the push for Santa Fe Railroad Museum and the Kawadi Museum. So many wonderful things culturally that we have here in Amarillo, um, the Quarter Horse Museum too. There are lots of great options for people to stop and spend a night or two not just, oh, I'm tired, we're close to Amarillo, let's pull in. Do, do you get a sense that most travelers are deliberate about staying here for the night, or is it sort of a decision because they're on their way to Santa Fe or they're on their way to Oklahoma City and they just get tired? I mean, how many people come here on purpose yeah. or pass through on purpose? Maybe more than we would think. Um, and the people that come here on purpose are people, many foreign travelers, who come here looking to experience genuine Texas. And they're very um, attracted to the history of Route 66. They don't have anything like that in Europe. They don't have wide open spaces. They don't have highways that you can just get on and go for miles and miles and miles. They don't even have big rigs. You know, they don't have dually trucks and suburbans and four-wheel drive. And so just the the idea of being able to get in a large vehicle and drive a thousand miles looking at the giant sky, we take that for granted because we grew up in this part of the world and that's just what we do. But in Europe, they don't have that. There's trees, there's hills, the roads are small and curvy and congested. And so the appeal of coming just to drive Route 66 is a very unique tourist attraction in our community, um, and we need some spit and polish. 
on our Route 66 connections. Um, I think we need to start talking about it as a community. We need to start looking for ways to invest in um, cleaning up our portion of Route 66 and making it a very attractive and appealing tourist destination. At what point did you start thinking about politics? Well, I actually, it's been, uh, it was August of 2016 that I just had this weight on my chest. I just felt like God was saying um, that our family had a role in um, bringing stability back to the leadership of our community. And I'm still convinced that um, Kevin Nelson is the best mayor we've never had. So I said to him, hey, I'm feeling this leading that I, I think you ought to run for mayor. And he kind of blew it off, and I pressed him on it and uh, said, really, let's pray about it. So we did and, and visited with some um, friends that we trust to counsel us, and it just didn't look like that was an open door, partially because of some business, business obligations and demands that we had. And so I thought, okay, well, that's great. You know, we, we sought counsel on that, and the answer was no. And then the feeling just didn't go away. I really did not picture it as being me. I pictured it as being Kevin because he is such a fantastic leader and such a, a great businessman. So then once I realized I thought the leading might be for me to step into a role that um, felt risky to me, felt very public. I'm an introvert, so it felt very public. But yet I trust the Lord so very much to know that if he calls you to do something, even if it makes you uncomfortable to do it, he'll equip you in every single way. And he has on this whole journey of it's quite public and it's pretty demanding on the time. Um, we've been able to do it as a family. Our kids, we kind of gave them a veto power and they, I think it took five minutes for them to say, we're in, we're totally in. We think you should do it. And so everywhere I thought there might be a red light to not doing it, um, God just kept sending green lights. And here we are now, and I still kind of have to absorb the fact that that all happened and that we put our name on the ballot and we won an election and now we're serving. And um, I'm very, very humbled by the encouraging words that I get from people and also just just the opportunity to serve in a community that we love so very much and that has invested in us. It's invested in our kids. And uh, I could really talk for a very long time about that because it just, I love it. It makes you emotional to mm -hmm. talk about it. Yeah, it does. So I never dreamed. Uh, my high school friends are like, what? I'm like, I know, what? <laughs> so we didn't see this coming. It's not anything I ever aspired to do, but it's just something that our family felt called to do. And if we can do it in a way that honors the Lord, um, that, that's truly our heart. Can we talk briefly about personality as a mayor? You know, you, you mentioned being an introvert. This is a job that requires meeting with people all day long, sometimes in an office, sometimes a large crowd. It, it's a sales job for the city. You know, there's a lot of interaction. As, as someone who's, who's not an extrovert, um, how, how do you handle that aspect of it? I, every chance I get, I ask people to pray for us that God would equip us to do the jobs that we're called to do, whether that's city manager, city secretary, 
um, public works director, librarian. I so much want for our citizens to know that we value their prayer coverage over us and their words of encouragement. I, I also just try to remember that this is really not about me as an individual, just like, you know, the city manager doing his job is not, he's not doing that job for his individual glory or individual recognition. So when I encounter someone who's upset because something that the city is not going the way they want it to be going and, um, and they're angry and they say ugly things or they have ideas, but they don't understand why they can't be implemented. I just try really, really hard to remember that it's, it's just, it's a calling to serve that person just as it's a calling to serve that sweet lady who stopped me in the grocery store and gave me the word of encouragement. I needed to go another hour. (laughs) Um, I try real hard to do the things that I enjoy. I love to run. I love to read. And I love to spend time with my family. So I just hold tight onto maintaining those things in my schedule, even though um, it does take a lot of schedule time to do the duties of the mayor. Let's talk about what, what is the state of Amarillo? Where are we right now? And, and you know, in the time that you have as mayor, where do you want to move the city? Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great question. Um, the city of Amarillo has such a rich heritage. Uh, we use the word pioneer a lot because we are very proud of the pioneers that settled our city. But the new word for pioneer is entrepreneur and innovator. And those are essentially the modern day synonyms for pioneers, people who are willing to take a risk, try something new, people who are willing to have an idea that could change the way we do something, whether it's in the city systems, whether it's in our education system, in our medical treatment. We must be thinkers and innovators if we are going to continue to exist in the world that's coming. Um, We can't solve problems in the same way that we've solved problems before, mainly because the problems that are coming are new. We've never seen them before. And the technology that we'll have on hand to use as a tool to solve them hasn't even been invented yet. So I just think it's very important for us in Amarillo to identify the challenges and the opportunities that we have and then to lay on top of them a growth mindset and say we're willing to solve any problem and we know that if we work together to come up with a solution, we will solve any problem that comes our way. I really think that Amarillo is called as a city to disciple other cities. And I think that if we have a mindset that there's no problem that we can't as a team together solve, um, eventually we will be a leader, not just in the panhandle of Texas and not just in the state of Texas, but that we will be a leader worldwide and that we'll be known as a culture and a community that solves problems. So if you have a problem, I think people will begin to say, well, how did Amarillo, Texas solve that problem? Has their team of thinkers and innovators been contacted? Have we asked for their expertise in problem solving to see if they could help us? So that's the aspirational answer to your question. The more day-to-day operational answer to your question is in order for us to be that type of problem solver and leader, we have to exist in a safe environment because we can't feel like we can take risks unless we feel like we have a firm foundation as a community to stand on. 
So we need to make sure that every citizen feels safe in their neighborhood. And moms ought to feel like they can let their kids go play in the front yard and it's safe for them to do that. Um, so my goal is to continue to increase our police force, add more officers on the on patrol, um, pour more resources into the neighborhood policing so that um, neighborhoods are tying into specific officers and building relationship and building communication with those officers to address the problems of each individual neighborhood. But um, safety is definitely um, a priority. And then a second priority is managing our roads and streets. And again, I think this is an area where we can have some innovative ideas. Um, we, we, we have a bunch of streets, over a thousand miles of streets in Amarillo, and it takes a million dollars to build a new mile of street. Wow. So it's a tremendous resource commitment that we have to maintain streets and build new streets. And I think we have to be thinking about doing that differently adding bicycle trails and adding um, better transit options. And for us as a community to start moving toward thinking about what would I do if I didn't jump in my individual car every time I wanted to go somewhere. And that's, that's a big shift for us. Um, so again, talking about public safety, talking about how we do our streets locally and how we want to be doing them even 30 and 40 years from now. Um, developing business and building our economy. So important, continuing to um, partner with education so that we can build a workforce here. You know, we have very low unemployment in Amarillo, 2 to 3%. That's great, except that nobody wants to bring their factory here because we don't have enough workers. Mm. If they were to, if we could land a new factory with a thousand jobs, they probably wouldn't want to come here because they're not convinced we actually have the workforce to fill those jobs. So that's a problem that we have to solve. And it's one a problem of, of abundance. It, in some ways, yeah. So one of the ways we um, are going to solve that, I hope, is to revamp the ACE program and pour into our local high school seniors and high school graduates and convince them to go to Amarillo College for two years. And uh, we as a community with partners through hopefully the school district, Amarillo College, Amarillo Area Foundation in the city would pay for two years at Amarillo College. So we're not asking the federal government to pay it. We're not asking the state of Texas to pay it. That's not who we are in Amarillo. If we have a problem, we, we look to solve it ourselves. And we have a problem with our workforce, and we want to grow as a city. We need to build up our workforce, and the ACE program can do it. We can create 5,000 workers in six years. And those 5,000 workers that we've already invested, what, 16 years worth of public education in, in our community, they'll be tied to stay here because they didn't go off to A&M and the University of Texas. And so they're not taking jobs in the Metroplex. They're staying here and they're investing in us. And our kids, our kids need to know that. They need to know that we need them to stay here in the local community. Our kids need to know that. Our kids need to know that. They need to know that we need them to stay here and invest in our community and um, be leaders, be business owners, be innovators. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a question I had with so much of your focus being entrepreneurship, technology, innovation. That's something that traditionally is, is going to come from a younger generation. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times the mindset is, oh, I've grown up in Amarillo. I've got to get out of here as soon as I can. 
yeah, what what do you do in addition to you know the the potential modifications to the ACE program? Um, how how do you convince college students, you know, kids who are graduating from high school, that this is the place, you know, to start your career, to raise your family, to build your business? I mean, how how do you do that? I think first we start having a conversation with them that tells them what what we need. Has anybody asked them to stay? Has anybody asked them Besides to, their parents. Besides their parents, yes, exactly. Has anyone communicated to them the great need that we have for them to come back and invest and for us to get a return on our time and our dollars that we've already invested in them? We're losing some of our boldest and brightest. Um, they're going off to live somewhere else, and we don't have the benefit of what we've already invested in them. Um, so we need to ask them. And that ask doesn't start when they're graduating from college. That ask needs to start being communicated while they're still in elementary school. You have a duty here, not not to shame them into it, but to let them know they're needed. Um, and then I think we need we need permission in Amarillo to create some fun. This is a fun place to live if you know where to go and do all the things there are to go and do. But I think we need even bigger fun things to do. And I think as we grow older, having fun and thinking with a fun mindset is more of a challenge for us. We tend to begin to worry and fear and avoid taking risks. And that's not what fun is about. So it, we need to continue to think like a young person would think. And I think we lead out with fun there. So we need more attractions. I think the baseball team is going to fall in that category. And I think it's genius that the previous council came up with a way to pay for building the MPEV that it didn't cost the taxpayers any of their dollars. And we're going to pay for the building of the MPEV through people who stay in our hotels, through the hotel occupancy tax. Um, so we're not using any property tax dollars. No local Amarillo citizen is paying for the MPEV because we're doing that through the hotel occupancy tax. I think that's genius, and it's fun, and we're going to get to have fun with that baseball team. And um, I think it'll be attractive to some of our younger people as they look at whether or not they want to come back to Amarillo. This episode of Hey Amarillo is brought to you by Estacar Companies. Based in Amarillo, Estacar is a group of experienced professionals who come from a diverse set of industries and business models. They bring practical executive experience to businesses of all sizes. CEOs turn to Estacar for fresh ideas and momentum when they have a vision for where they want their company to go but are frustrated with the progress they're making. Coming alongside the CEO's staff, the Estacar team focuses on developing the company vision into a financially sound, market-based growth strategy. And then Estacar helps oversee the implementation of that strategy. Whether you need them on a monthly or even daily basis, Estacar offers management services, financial services, HR and employee sourcing solutions, marketing support, executive coaching, and much more. Estacar, force for your vision. Find Estacar online at estacar.com, E-S-T-A-C-A-R.com. Okay, we're back with Mayor Ginger Nelson. Ginger, this is the, the part of the show where I, uh, I ask eight straight questions of every guest, and these will be very specific questions. I'd like you to answer with as much forthrightness as you can. 
What type of Amarillo weather do you like most? I like the hot summer days where the skies are bright blue and the clouds are bright white. So I'm a hot summer girl myself. I can do without the wind, but the heat, I like the heat. What does Amarillo have too much of? I'm going to go infrastructure on you. We have too many roads. It's very expensive for us to take care of them. And uh, I think we have to be shifting our mindset to thinking, um, you know, where would Chicago have wanted to be 30 years ago? Where would New York do things differently 30 years ago? These cities that have tremendous traffic problems, even Austin and Dallas, if they could go back and replan the way they think and do about roads, that's kind of where we are. So I really want us to be dreaming and scheming about roads differently because they're such a significant portion of our budget. And um, I'm, I just keep thinking there's an innovative way, George Jetson or whatever it is, um, that maybe we could start leading out on how we think differently about roads. What does Amarillo not have enough of? I think we don't have enough people who recognize that we're a tourist destination. We actually have more tourism dollars run through our economy every year than Galveston. And Galveston is clearly an economy based on tourism. Wow. So changing our mindset so that we'll quit underachieving on tourism and begin to um, accomplish some of our possibilities um, and our potential in the tourism world, I think is something that we could definitely have more of. And that's primarily due to I-40, Right. It is primarily due to I-40, and it's also primarily due to the fact that um, we're as genuine Texas as any place in the state of Texas. Um, we're not Houston. We're not Austin. We're not Dallas. We truly are located on the prairie, on the farm. Um, if you want a genuine Texas experience, you should come here to Amarillo and a lot of people who drive through I-40, they come from North Carolina and they're driving to California or Nashville to Arizona. The only part of Texas they see is Amarillo. This is what they think Texas looks like. They don't know anything about the Hill Country. They don't know anything about the Metroplex. They know about the panhandle of Texas because that's the part of Texas over 8 million people drive through every year and think, yeah, I've, I've seen Texas. It looks like Amarillo. So I'm very proud of that, but I also want to use that as a springboard for us to present better on behalf of Amarillo, but also on behalf of our proud state of Texas. Finish this sentence. The thing I love most about Amarillo is? Oh, the people. Definitely the people. But that's probably the most popular answer, so I'll, I'll give you a second answer, and it's the sky. Whether it's the nighttime sky the sunrise sky, the sunset sky, even just the big sky, the hugeness of our sky. I'm just, I'm infatuated with it. Okay, this is a hard one. When you go to any new Mexican restaurant, what's your go-to order? This is not a hard one, but it might surprise you. I don't do Mexican food. Not at all? No, I just, I have a really limited palate. Um, so I, I would do a grilled chicken salad. Or a cheeseburger. I can tell you what Mexican food restaurants in Amarillo have the best cheeseburger. So you're, you're the person that those cheeseburgers are for. I am. It's not your 12-year-old. Right. It's actually me. I've always wondered, but I... <laughs> it's me. I Yes. Cheeseburger. 
Okay, what question about Amarillo do you get asked most by outsiders? I don't really get a question as much as I get a comment. Oh, yeah, I stayed there once on my way to the mountains. And I think, you should have stayed longer. You should have explored us more. We should have invited you to stay longer because we're fascinating. We have lots of interesting things happening here. And so I really want, again, to tie back into people thinking we're a destination, not just a stopover. What is your favorite weekend activity in or around the city? I love our culture and I love our arts. So I love going to the Little Theater. I love going to an art class um, or an art show or going to the symphony. So for me, um, the highlight of any Amarillo weekend is a chance to experience our arts. Last question. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? Not that long ago um, when I rode in the parade for the Cruz Ranch Rodeo. So I'm trying to remember June, whenever that was. And actually, um, I have a nice collection of boots because my dad and I wear the same size. And he's sort of the, um, oh, what was her name? Imelda Marcos (laughs) of custom-made boots. So he shares, and uh, I'm the beneficiary of a lot of beautiful pairs of boots. Okay, and I like to end every episode by just asking my guests to endorse something in Amarillo, to give an endorsement. If you could say, here's, here's an Amarillo thing I want everyone to experience, what would you endorse? Beyond the sky or cheeseburgers at you mm-hmm. know, Tex-Mex restaurants. Mm-hmm. It is really hard to pick one thing to endorse. And I'm going to fudge on you a little bit. It's the arts. Try it. If you haven't tried the symphony... Go and open your mind. Set aside what you think the symphony is and take, pick somebody for a hot date night, something different, and go and actually see what the symphony is. Go buy a ticket to the Amarillo Little Theater. It is a fantastic date for less than $50, and the quality of the entertainment is fabulous. Go to a hockey game even. I count that as culture. Try an event that you think you know what it's like but actually go and experience it and see if it doesn't surprise you that it's actually something different. Ginger Nelson, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, what an honor. I really enjoyed the visit. Thanks, Jason. And kudos to you. This is new. This is taking a risk. I I welcome this kind of thing in Emerald, and I'm really proud you're doing it. So that concludes the very first episode of Hey Amarillo. Um, Number one, I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I hope it was informative. I hope it was uh, entertaining at the very least. What I hope to do with with this podcast is to find somebody. It won't always be a politician. It, It won't always be someone you've heard of, but let them tell the story of who they are and what they do and why they do it here in Amarillo. So that's the the goal of this podcast. Every week, I want to introduce you to a new person. And a new episode will drop every Tuesday. So go ahead and subscribe to it uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Uh, You can find more about the show at heyamarillo.com. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook at heyamarillo. And if if you like the episode or just generally, if you like the idea of an Amarillo-focused podcast, what I would ask you to do is, is... to tell people about it. 
leave a review on iTunes, leave a review anywhere else you listen to podcasts, tell your friends about it, share it on social media. If you want to, you can download the logo and put it on one of those sandwich boards and you are welcome to march up and down Polk Street for all I care. I just want people to know that this exists. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And thank you to Estacar for being our first sponsor. This is Jason Boyette, and I will see you next week.